Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. Some talk shows think all of their opinions are right. This one, this one knows they are. This is Perception is Reality. Christopher H. Bilbury is a no-nonsense, well, maybe a little bit of nonsense, political activist, local government watchdog, and all-around good Hoosier and God-fearing American citizen. Is this guy for real? Holding lawmakers accountable and educating citizens on the importance of participating in their local government with a dab of national and world politics and a little pop culture and maybe some real-life common sense. This, this is, is Perception is Reality. And this is Christopher H. Bilbrey. Well, hello, all you cool cats and kittens. This is Perception is Reality. I am your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. This is episode 92, and we are joined today by none other than producers Kate and Niles Thornburg for the entirety of this episode. But before we get into our little roundtable discussion, I want to say I hope you guys are all doing well. I hope you're being safe. I hope you are voluntarily practicing your social distancing. I hope you're checking on your elderly family members and those that might have issues with mental health that you're checking on them and that you guys are doing everything that you're supposed to be doing in this difficult time. I want to welcome you all to this episode. Again, this is episode 92. Welcome, welcome, welcome. For those of you that have been here from the very beginning, thank you for continuing to come back. Episode after episode after episode. It's more like a punishment probably now for you, but <laughs> I thank you. Uh, if you have just recently started listening to the show, I want to say thank you for coming back. And I want to ask you all, everyone, to do me a favor. Share the show with everyone you know. Let them know they can find the audio podcast, Perception is Reality, with Christopher H. Bilbrey on all major podcast hosting sites. You can search the name Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey or simply search for Bilbrey Podcast. That's B-I-L-B-R-E-Y Podcast and you'll pull us up. You can also find me on Facebook where I also from time to time will release live video episodes. You can find me there at facebook.com forward slash bilberry318. And if you haven't checked out the Perception Wear, do so right now by going to Merch Is Reality, all one word, merchisreality.square.site and get into some Perception Wear today. All right, so for the remainder of the show, we're going to be talking with producers Kate and Niles Thornburg. Producers here for the show, welcome Kate and Niles. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Hello, comrade. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, comrade uh, Bilbrey here, welcome, welcome. We are uh, in lockdown and uh, the... Uh, 
Martial law is uh, still not underway. I did see a military vehicle driving down the road today, and I quickly snapped a picture of it, and I thought, oh, shit, if people saw this, they would be freaking out. It was just one lone military vehicle. Don't know what kind of vehicle it was. Don't know what he was doing, where he was going. But I thought, "Uh uh-oh, I bet everybody this guy, I bet everyone that this guy has passed (laughs) has been freaking out. (laughs) So, uh, uh, how how has, uh, let me just start off this way. How has, uh, what has been going on? You guys have five kids. Some of the kids are out of the house. Uh, some of the kids are in the home. Some of the kids go to school. Some of the kids you homeschool. Uh, beyond that, Niles, you've been off work for how long? Have you been off work? I think this is week three. Oh my God! Is it really week three? Yeah, it's killing me. Okay, week three, and you work at a factory, so your factory has been shut down. And uh, Kate, you're also out of out of work right now. Yep. She just went outside because the boys ran outside to put on the trampoline. <laughs> okay. All right. That's <laughs> that's no problem. So uh, she's off work. You guys have both been off work, and it's been affecting, uh, you know, your life and your your movement and what you guys can and can't do. Uh, for those that have been following the show for quite some time, uh, I don't know if you're familiar or not, but... Niles served many, many years in the United States military, um, is uh, multiple different uh, decorations and and awards and whatnot. So definitely uh, a very liberty-minded, American-loving individual, not somebody that's... um, I would say anti-government in any way, anti-stupid government, you know, um, you know, don't loves common sense. Say again. I don't trust the guy. I don't trust anybody. Absolutely. No one, anyone who is that power of authority, you have to second guess them. Yes. If you just blindly follow them, then that is, you know, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Power. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it, in the military, you got the you know the chain of command. You know, so he, he was a platoon sergeant. So he was in, part of, in charge of forty guys, and he had a platoon leader. And the platoon leader is a lieutenant. A lieutenant outranks a sergeant any day of the week. The lieutenant's an officer, so what he says should go. But I don't know how many times he'd come home and he'd say, Lieutenant wanted to do X, Y, and Z today. And I had to tell him that we're not doing that because <laughs> he will go to jail, I will go to jail, and, you know, you can't do that. You right. Uh, you have to be willing to second-guess people in positions of authority because you could get in trouble, they could get in trouble. You know, you could get a whole lot of people killed in the military. Uh, but, you know, it's, you just... Well, innately, you don't just blindly follow. Yes, because you're only obligated to follow um, uh, lawful commands. If sure. you're given a, a command that is unlawful or goes against Army regulation, I mean, you can't tell them to fuck off. Right. But you can tell them, you know, I'm not going to do that, and this is why, and they can't do anything to you because they just gave you an unlawful order. Right. And that is the same that 
that's the same with the government. When the government acts outside of the Constitution, it is our duty to stand up to the government and say, no, you, you are way out of bounds. You guys need to take a few steps back, read a little bit, and rethink your, uh, your actions. Maybe read the Constitution again a few minutes, you know, for a few minutes. And, uh, and yeah. come back and tell me what you'd like to do next. Yeah. Well, and then, which goes into the whole coronavirus crap. I mean, the government all day long can tell us, you know, things that we should do. They can make suggestions all day long on how to keep ourselves safe and healthy. They just don't have the constitutional authority to mandate it. Now, if they want to declare, you know, if the president wants to declare martial law, only under martial law does the government have the right to start dictating. But there's very specific reasons why they can declare martial law. Yeah. And, you know, there's no martial law. So I've been going and doing as I please. I, I mean, Walmart obviously has not been affected by this. Lowe's hasn't been affected by this. Um, who's really getting killed? Or, you know, McDonald's is booming right now. But who's getting killed is the little guy. Sure. The government comes in and says, you can only have so many people in your store. You, you can't have dine-in. It has to be carry-out, whatever. You know, most people are lazy, so they're not going to take the time to to patron, or, uh, patronize. patronize small businesses. They're going to go to the drive-thru at McDonald's yeah. because it's easy quick. So, yeah. you know, and it's just, it's, they don't have the authority. Well, now, now, of course, if people blindly follow and don't question the government, then you're giving them authority. And they, like I said, they make, can make suggestions all day long, and I'm not saying anything about, you know, the six feet or it's not a good idea or anything else, but, you know, we got people calling the mayor and the police about kids riding on golf carts. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean, is this, you know, are they going to break out the Gestapo? Right. Well, and that, that, you know, the, thing, the thing is with that, everybody wants to be safe. Nobody wants to do anything that, you know, gets them hurt or gets, you know, mom and dad hurt or grandma and grandpa hurt. No one wants to be sick. You know, even if it doesn't kill you, nobody wants to have the flu. Nobody wants to have two bad weeks of COVID-19, whatever the hell that looks like. Nobody wants to have that. But everybody is in charge of their own personal safety, their own personal responsibility. And I know a lot of people say, well, people just don't have personal responsibility. I understand that's people. I'm in charge of my safety. Like, for example, I was in Walmart today shopping for my grandparents today, and there was a gentleman who was sneezing down at the end of the aisle, and I, I heard it, I saw it, he was doing his very best to contain himself, but I thought, yep, I'm not going down there, so I turned and walked the other way and avoid, avoided that whole area. Matter of fact, didn't go back to that part of the area. If there was something down there I needed, I thought, I'll get it next time. And so you all are in charge of your own personal responsibility, and it's very scary to see what how quickly this has affected us. And when we come out of this, I very much believe we are always from this point forward going to be in a very different America. And that's a very scary thing. What? That's my fear that we are going to 
I mean, we're, we're, I mean, we don't live in a constitutional republic anymore. I mean, people don't even call us a constitutional republic. They call it, they keep saying a democracy. Right. A democracy. We don't live in a democracy. We never lived in a democracy. This was never set up to be a democracy. Right. It's a constitutional republic. Well, it, it used to be a constitutional republic. Ab- absolutely. Our rights have been stripped away. And that's, and that's the fear. I'm not, you know, nothing about the, this virus that is, um, that the news media has got everybody spun up on. I mean, we do need to do things to keep our families safe, but it's just not the government's role to dictate, to dictate how, how we do it. Yes, absolutely. And yeah. real quick, I'm I'm getting here. There is some breaking news coming in. Uh, Kate, you have that information? Yeah, it was June fifteenth in seventeen sixty-seven when the British Parliament passed the Townsend Act. That was uh, another way for them to exert their what they consider their historic authority over the colonies by suspending their representative assembly. Oh my! Fantastic. And so and so, just real quick, for people who might not know what that meant, that meant. Basically, what we're dealing with currently, how the city of Winchester is just not having meetings, they're doing everything behind closed door, how the city of Muncie is having meetings via Zoom. People can watch it, they just really don't have a a, a quick or appropriate way to interject. It's basically leads us to a form of taxation without representation. Exactly. So we're running into the same problems again, something that was a very potent uh, agitator here in the United States prior to the Revolutionary War was the removal of their representative assemblies and their, their right to have a voice in their government. And now we're seeing that all over the country where local governments are basically being suspended uh, and we have no redress, redress of our uh elected officials. So if they're doing things, the, the county counselors here came through and said, you can only have 10% of your uh, fire authorized uh, people in the building. So if, if you've got a business that's allowed to have six people in there because it's a really tiny place, well, I guess you're not allowed to have, uh, you can have one person in there. <laughs> and that's it, you know, um, and, and they have to take off the floors and everything else. And I don't have any way to go to my county councilors and say, or county commissioners, and, and, and ask why, why, how they came up with this arbitrary number of 10%. Yeah. And what businesses that, that only are allowed to have, you know, five or six people in there. What, we have to, you have to cut yourself in half before you come in because you're more than the 10% I'm allowed. Well, yeah, because does that include the people who are in there that are making the business run? I mean, if you've got, if you've got a business that's yay big and the occupancy of the building only allows 15 people in the building or, or, or whatever, and it takes five people to make the business run, does the does the five people in there cut into the amount of people that they can have? And the five people are already over your ten percent. <laughs> right, right, right. But and the oh. problem is, is we can't ask these questions. Yeah, and we can't ask. Where did you come up with this arbitrary number? How? Uh, what is? What is this going to do to make everybody safe? 
because now you've got a line of people queued out the door. Right. So now my my ten minute shopping trip is an hour, and so for fifty minutes longer, I'm exposed to other people because I have to wait in line because it takes much longer when you actually get in there and shop. Right. And and I and once you know playing devil's advocate, when when did the government start dictating um, commerce? Because I I mean I thought that, that was pretty clear in our laws that the government is not allowed to be involved in commerce. Well, Obama, the the Obama healthcare bill only got passed because they deemed it a tax. Right. And that was it because they are not allowed to get involved in commerce. Right. Right. Now you're debating how people, what stores can be open, how they are to operate. I mean, I mean, that's been, Mao was very good at doing that in China. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but then, again, you're back to the, how do you go to your government officials when they, they close the city building and they close the, the city building and they have their meetings by private Zoom video that they display for everybody, but you don't actually get any public comment section in there. They're operating carte blanche. Yeah, because they're now operating carte blanche. They have a blank check. They can do whatever the hell they want, and we have absolutely no stay. Well, Welcome to step one with an American revolution. You know, and yeah, that, I mean, that's that's the thing. And, and uh, here, the, the, the problem is you get the people who say, well, this is being very dramatic. Aren't you being very dramatic? Well, aren't we all being really dramatic right now? We're all being extremely dramatic. The problem is a couple things while the virus is going on. One, once the virus is done, you know, people are saying, well, I don't see anybody coming in. They're not asking for your guns. They're not telling you you got to turn your, you know, they can't, they're not telling you you can't speak. No, I understand that. But it, they're, they're, they're doing a lot of other far overreaching things. In, in a very nice and pleasant way, so people just self-comply. What happens when we come out of this? Go ahead. I mean, this is the weakest strain of coronavirus that's ever been, you know, let out in the human population. This isn't the. This is the third strand been released. Was it SARS? Was one of them mm -hmm. under the Obama administration, which was much more potent and much more deadly. Uh, we didn't shut down the country. The Democrats weren't screaming about shutting the country down. Nobody was in a panic. I mean, I was reading the other day how the um, the dengue fever is spreading through Africa right now, and that's a deadly, a deadly disease. Like forty percent survival rate. And no one's talking about that. We have this. The coronavirus has a ninety-eight point five percent survival rate. So it's like catching a flu. You have about the same chance of survival of this coronavirus strand as you do the flu. And we're losing our minds. What are they going to do when, you know, we get a, a plane come in from Nairobi and there's 10 people on it with dengue fever? And that starts to spread, to spread and it kills 60% of everyone affected. What are we going to do then? Right, right, right. Well, we, you we know. We're losing our body over a virus that, yes, it can be deadly, but it is not that bad. It's not that bad to go to the level which we're taking now. And the media is playing it out like if you catch this, you're going to die. 
And anyone who dies, who they test and they have it, whether they died of a heart attack or died of cancer, if they have the coronavirus, the death is counted as a coronavirus death. That's one of the things that's that's very interesting to me is how and how they're going about counting the deaths of folks that are just now dying. If if a, if a, if a gentleman dies in his mid to late 80s and hasn't been tested is not a current COVID-19 patient. You know, but they're marking it as a COVID-19 death because you know, that's very skewing the numbers. I mean, I'm looking at the current numbers. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. Stand by, I'm updating it right now. Right now, I'm looking at the numbers as of 6 p.m. today, the recording of this episode, which the recording is on Tuesday, April 7th. There are 387,547 confirmed cases in America with 12,291 deaths. Now, I will say, I I will say that this, these deaths are approaching, talking about the MERS, the uh, Middle Eastern uh, SARS or or SARS in itself. Uh, This, the death toll will probably topple those, those cases. I, and it, it could, but I mean, also what this year in the United States, 20 million people got the flu, 75,000 people died from the flu. I mean, from the flu, you know, so if we're losing 75,000 people to the flu and don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying you, know, there are things we do need to be careful and hygiene should be practiced all the time regardless of what's going on. But sure. There are small things that people can do to keep themselves safe. Keep their family safe. Yeah. But let's not, let's not just roll over and look at the government for the answers. I mean, look how well Social Security is out for us. We want these people to figure out how to get us out of a mess. Yeah, it says in the, in the 2019... 2018-2019... Flu table there. There were four hundred and ninety thousand six hundred hospitalization hospitalizations and thirty four thousand two hundred deaths from influenza in 2018-2019 time frame. And so, <clears throat> uh, I mean, you know. <sighs> That that's the thing in in Delaware County the other day the emergency management operations director announced that he had purchased two hundred body bags and I got a lot of hell because I was saying like I think that was a little uh, fear mongering I don't know that that's necessary I'm I'm interested in how many body bags are normally kept on hand you know uh, twelve hundred people die a year in Delaware County. I don't know the stats for Randolph County, and I don't know the stats for anyone else. I was just happened to be talking to someone who worked in the coroner's office from coroner's office past, not the current coroner's administration. But a, a former uh, coroner's office employee says the average for Delaware County is 1,200 people 
die a year. And so if you break that down, that's, you know, 100 people a month. That's 25 people a week. And even at its peak, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get heat for this, and I understand that, but even at its peak, unless we are dealing with a situation like they had in Madison County where 11 people in an outbreak died in a nursing home, you know, even with that, I don't think that Madison County or Delaware County is going to, to break 200 deaths. I don't think that we're going to break 200 deaths on this thing. If if the if the very worst case scenario occurred, if what they were originally saying two weeks ago, 250,000 deaths in the United States, if that occurs, statistically speaking, that breaks down to 5,000 deaths per state. You know, just. Speaking numbers-wise, obviously, it would be more and less in other areas. And for the state of Indiana, our 5,000 would basically be broken up over our 92 counties, statistically speaking, at 54 deaths a county. And so, you know, to to come out and say, we've got 200 body bags, that kind of overhanded fear-mongering is a way to scare the people into submission. And as we were talking before we came on air... If the if the mayor if the if the president doesn't have the authority to shut down things like he like people have been begging him to do, then the government doesn't the governor of a state doesn't have that authority. And if the governor of the state doesn't have the authority, then the commissioners, the county council, the mayors, you know, on down the line, you know, really we're seeing unprecedented things occur and it's not really even about what's happening now it's what's going to happen on the other side of this i well see and that's that's a you know once this is all done and everybody's trying to get back to work and everything's all screwed up the same people complaining about the government's not doing enough the government the government the government they're the same people they're hanging around and say the president went too far they went to it's the same people. Right. Right. That's that's one of the things I've noticed was that at first he wasn't taking it serious enough. Then he shut down uh, travel from China and people lost their mind. Then a week after that they said, Oh my god, he didn't shut down travel from China soon enough. Then now what's happened is they said, Oh, he's dragging his feet, he's not taking it serious enough. Then it turned into, oh my God, too many people are going to die. Now you're starting to hear big news corporations, big news agencies question the numbers that were coming out from the White House. And now they're starting to say, well, did they overinflate the numbers saying 250,000 people could die so that when only... 90,000 people die, die. They, they'll say, uh, well, look, we, we saved the day. And so no matter what's going to happen, it's never going to be the right thing. And that's going to be amazing. Hey, I'm hearing right now, uh, we have, uh, some more, uh, just breaking news right now. Kate. That's right. 
December 16, 1773, the Boston Tea Party was thrown as a response to the tax on tea that Britain implemented that only allowed people to purchase tea from British companies. Really? So, in that example, kind of if you were looking at that at a modern day example, it's kind of like throwing back to what Niles was talking about earlier, how you can go to McDonald's or, you know, if you live in a community that has a Wendy's, you're, you're lucky enough to swing through a Wendy's or Taco Bell because they're big change. They can do that. If you're talking about the mom and pop store that, you know, just can't, you know, doesn't have a drive through, obviously, you're, you're really talking about uh, situations where some of these mom and pop diners won't be here after this. And um, one of the things that I have said throughout all of this and, and uh, listen, I have been on top of this. People were making fun of me back at the end of December, beginning of January, when I was first talking about this. I've been watching this. I'm taking this as seriously as anybody possibly can. I'm a hypochondriac. I, I, I openly admit that. I'm a germaphobe. I make no bones about that. So I've been monitoring this. I've been trying to bring people's attention to it and, and trying to have people paying attention to what's happening. Um, so it's I'm not like someone who's denying what's happening here. I'm not running around saying that this is a hoax. I'm just saying the problem for me is communication first. There's not been any good communication. Communication from the top down all the way through the states, the local, has sucked all the way around. But... The cure to this issue cannot be worse than the virus. The solution cannot be worse than the problem. And so on the other side of this, when we come out of this, whenever that is, you know, we're going to have all of these businesses, these mom and pop businesses, the mom and pop diners and the, the small businesses. I've said this many times to many people. My dad was the owner operator of a multi-million dollar a year company and it was it dealt with multi-million dollars a year a, a year had my dad been alive and running that business during this time and had he had to shut down for the last two or three or more weeks during this late winter into springtime he would have had to shut his doors it would have crippled him and he would have it he would have went out of business Having four or five employees, you know, uh, there's there's no way he, it would have crippled him. So, you know, um, it's really crazy to see that. I know that Niles was talking earlier, you know, for those out there listening and for those in the world that are freedom-loving Americans that are above the age of 21 who like to go home from work or sit around and drink a beer or drink a drink uh, a little bit of liquor every now and then. I'm not a drinker much myself, but uh, for those that like that, you stopped in a, a liquor store and was really amazed about what was going on there. Yeah, only one person at a time. You can't go past the counter. They have to go get it for you. And this is for me tomorrow. It's curbside only, um, which is just phenomenal. So now I, now I have to stand outside of a liquor store with however many other people. Wait in line to get, you know, because being stuck at home for three weeks, I mean, 
I'm not drinking, you know, a fifth of night, but um, I'm home all day. Sure. With kids, so uh, I do drink. <laughs> um, you know, and it, it's just it's disgusting. It's it's, it's, it's it's overreach of government. And I, I'm, like I said, I'm not trying to take anything away from this situation. It's the government, and it, I really it goes back to the um, the media. Something that no one's talking about right now is the suicide rate that's starting. People are starting to kill themselves. You got you got people that are in their homes, they're watching the news. Who is extremely irresponsible, and I think everyone who has a family member that commits suicide that has mental issues should sue the media. They're Media is just playing this thing up and making it sound like it's doomsday. And you've got unstable people stuck in their homes watching them all day long. They're freaking themselves out, and now they're starting to off themselves. Absolutely. Yeah, I read a 20-something-year-old 20, 20 kid in, in England who has bipolar issues, mm-hmm. and his family's been trying to keep an eye on him, but they're, they have to self-isolate. He couldn't take it anymore. He killed himself. Yeah, the the I have heard and I have paid attention to that. I have a little, uh, I have a, an update that shows me. Um, I had I had a family member uh, back in 2015 who killed himself, and so suicide is something that I pay attention to and and monitor. and And they said that the number of calls to suicide hotlines and the number of calls to addiction hotlines. And the, you know, the people who are dying because of self-harm during this issue is on the rise, has been on the rise. And uh, so, yeah, that's exactly right. One of the things that's also kind of a segue from there, and one of our mutual friends mentioned this the other day, is the drug overdoses. Where, Where are the drug overdoses? What did people didn't just you know, that's what I said people who randomly uh, play Russian roulette with their lives by going and buying some unknown powder on the street thinking it's heroin and it could be fentanyl and they're playing Russian roulette <clears throat> in shooting that in their arm and they could die any time they score. They're not just stopping because COVID-19 has hit. They're not like, well, it's time to be a respectable, responsible person, so I'm going to go out, I'm going to use this time to get clean. I'm sure that's not happening. I'm sure they're still buying dope. Uh, I'm sure they're still I'm still I'm sure that people who were addicted to heroin on March 19th was still addicted to heroin after March 20th. But we're not hearing much about, and I know that it's because everybody's uh, mind is on the uh, coronavirus and that the news is all talking about that. But just so you, the listener, know, I've talked to EMS, I've talked to nurses, and the mutual friend of ours, Lynn, who brought this up, had been talking to a friend of hers from the hospital in uh, either Dayton or Columbus, uh, Ohio, which was a ground zero epicenter for the heroin epidemic. And she said they are having zero drug overdoses. And I think that's really odd. I, I know that kind of veered kind of off of what we've been talking about, but let me ask you why you guys would think, just just 
talking here real quick. I know we didn't even plan to talk on this, but what? why do you think that would be? I don't know. They're self-isolating and they're dead in an apartment somewhere and just haven't been found. I don't know. I... I don't, I, I don't know. I, I, I'll tell you, I try not to be conspiratorial, but I, I almost could see that because, you know, you all, you always hear that a lot of what comes in is, is comes in from the government and it's almost like the government's busy right now. So they're not bringing in the crazy fentanyl dope. So everybody's back to shooting regular heroin and it's not killing people. Well, that was uh, that somebody said something about that. They restricted movement through the airlines, and it's not coming in. So they're not getting into the crowd. So, so yeah, they're shooting straight heroin. Right. Isn't that interesting? It is, and the border shut down. Mexico shut the border down, and now nobody's dying from fentanyl. Yeah, which is where a lot of it's from. I mean, who knew shutting the border down would uh, oh. work? What's right? Cut your mouth. What? Orange man bad. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, hey, we need to pay some bills around here, so we need to take a quick break. But when we come back, we will continue our roundtable discussion with producers Kate and Niles. You're listening to Perception is Reality. I'm Christopher H. Bilbrey. This is episode 92. We'll be right back. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this podcast. This, this is, is Perception is Reality. And this is Christopher H. Bilbrey. And we're back. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for sticking with us. This is Christopher Bilbrey. You're listening to Perception is Reality, and we are joined for the entire episode with producers Kate and Niles Thornburg. Um, thank you guys for being with us uh, for this episode. Uh, I'm seeing right now, just coming back from break, that we have some breaking news. Again! 1774. The intolerable acts were passed. Well, that's what we call them here in the United States, anyway. I'm sure Parliament had a prettier name than that before. But <laughs> here we call them the Intolerable Acts, the first of which was the Boston Port Bill, or Boston Tea Party, where they shut the Boston Port down. The second was the Massachusetts Government Act, which uh, closed down the uh, town meetings. They forbid town meetings of any kind and put in a military governor. And the third was the administration of justice, which was not really pertinent to the conversation with nothing. And the fourth was the quartering act, which is interesting because that's what's happening in reverse in a way. Quartering act was that if a military, the, the military was passing through, you had to let them stay in your home. Now we're being told we have to stay in our home. <laughs> <laughs> That's It's the reverse quartering act. And the thing is, I'm okay with 
people, like we've talked about this whole time, and I've said multiple times, with people doing what they need to do to stay safe. But And, and even the government saying, hey, we need you guys to hunker down. That's what Eric Holkins has been saying. We need you to hunker down. We need you to stay in place. That's fine. I get it. I'm okay with that, but when we've actually got people begging for them to shut us down and begging for martial law, I just that's what really scares me. We have people who don't even don't have a clue what's going on in their local neighborhoods. We have people that don't know what's going on in their local communities. They don't know what the council does. They don't understand why it's important to know what's going on, but yet they're begging for the the state government or the federal government to lock us down and to go into martial law. I don't think these people realize that like in China they were welding people into their homes. And that's what concerns me. Well, and and like in South Korea, South Korea they were they were basically doxing their citizens. They were tracking scary about that is I, I read that in Kentucky they are talking about they're not talking about it they were talking about the fact that they have started putting coronavirus patients on house detention bracelets now look if you have somebody who has tested positive or who is sick you know, if someone is going to a city building and they test them and they have a temperature of 102 and that person's trying to get in and trying to infect people, 
I get it. If you have somebody who has tested positive and they are purposefully trying to make people ill, you know, I, I could see you doing what you got to do there. But when we get into, like the gentleman said, and, and every, I, I did a whole big whole episode on it they're now tracking the movement of people by their phones and it's well it's anonymous or it's it's the cell phone companies have always done this or the federal government i don't care none of that's okay nope none of that's okay it it can't be a well timmy's down the street doing it you know so i'm going to too we have problems with that and that's just something that People don't understand. And again, it's not necessarily for what has happening currently, but it's what happens when this is over. It's always harder. It's always harder to to fight them back afterwards once they have, you know, got comfortable with the overreach. You know, it's going to be harder to, to fight that away. People are saying, well, they're not really being so overly oppressive now. No, because we have accepted it. We've asking for, we're asking for it. The majority of the people are begging them to do more than they're actually even doing. Yep, and that's, you know, that's what's scary. Prison, the prison thing that that goes into your big government and how the government's ran by lobbyists and special interest groups. So those are most of those prisons, you know, because it's not just jails. Prisons are releasing people, and mo- you know, most of the prisons are are private, oh, privately owned. But by law, if they're if they're in prison, they have to treat them if they're ill. So it's cheaper for them to release them than they don't have to treat them. Yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. They're here. I want the government to take care of me. That's what they're doing for you right now. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're releasing the infected amongst the regular population, so that the big companies that sign their paychecks and pay for their uh, campaigns don't have to treat all these people. Right, right. Hey, I'm hearing that we have uh, some more breaking news. That's right. In January 1776, Thomas Paine's Common Sense was published. That was a push for not a civil war, but to make America an independent colony. And those 50 pages were a fundamental thing in, in the direction that the revolution took. It wasn't to gain rights in England. It wasn't to establish ourselves as an official uh, commonwealth commonwealth under the crown, but as an independent nation. So talking about common sense, that's what everybody needs to be exercising right now. That's the number one thing, and we just have a few more minutes here, but that's the number one thing. Everybody needs to... Use common sense. We all need to try our very level best to 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 use common sense throughout this. Yes, and, and stop watching the news. I know you you don't call yourself a journalist, Chris, but I actually look at you as one of the few journalists because you question things and you want to know why, like Americans used to do. Right. The the, the quote unquote journalist of today take these gas stations and they blow them out of proportion and they cause panic. Yeah. I mean, when I was, I remember watching the news, they would talk about things and they, it was fact and not trying to get people all bent out of shape. Now they feed on it. It's a a narrative for some political agenda to get everyone riled up when it's really, it's 
they've made it out more than what it is. Sure. Well, they're they're every bit they're every bit as a commentary as I am. Well, I remember watching Stephen Crowder earlier, and he was talking about how the way that they're reporting on things. He says it's really journalistic malpractice. Yes. And, and then if they were held to any kind of standard, this would be beyond the pale, you know, and they would be being, you know, berated and uh, fired and, you know, on the unemployment line. You Absolutely. Know? So it's just the media trying to ramp up the panic factor. That's exactly. That's exactly. All right. Well, we are just about out of time. I want to thank you guys. I want to I want to try to bring you guys on more and do a little bit more roundtable with you guys in the future. I want to thank you guys for coming on. Obviously, the sound of the music means it's time to wrap this up. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the 92nd episode of Perception is Reality. We've been talking to producers Kate and Niles Thornburg. Please share the show with everyone that you know. We can be found on all major podcast hosting sites, as well as the home link of perception.fire Side.fm. Remember to check out Perception Gear at merchisreality.square.site. And until next time, remember to stay active, stay involved, stay safe, and above all else, God bless. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com or get off your butt and call the show at 765-546-9796. Till next time, remember... Perception, Perception is, is reality. Reality. This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.